Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to part one of the story behind the Mid-State Mile. The Mid-State Mile was a race we ran last weekend. Uh, I won the race, praise God, by running for 38 hours, 122.1 miles, and 37 thousand seven hundred feet of elevation gain and loss hope you enjoy this this is the story behind the race we'll continue to break down the principles that allowed us to achieve victory on that day in later episodes this episode was brought to you by natural rapport Natural Rapport makes the best quality dog treats and pet essentials on the market. They're uncomplicated. And whether you're looking for freeze-dried liver treats or freeze-dried chicken jerky for your dogs, all of their treats and chews are sourced and manufactured in the USA without chemicals, fillers, hormones, antibiotics, byproducts, dyes, flavors, or preservatives. These treats are single ingredient, and they're great and healthy for your dog. Look, man, ultra ultra runners love dogs, and that's why we use Natural Rapport. We love our dogs like our family members, so we want to feed them and treat them to the best quality uh, products, food, and grooming products that we possibly can because we want them to live as long as possible. Natural Rapport supplies that need to us. Not to mention they're owned by an awesome group of individuals uh, that believe and know the products, and we just thank them for sponsoring this episode. We use, we have been using everything that pretty much everything that they make uh, on our two dogs at home for well over a year now. So looking through their grooming products, we've got um, ear wipes, we've got shampoo, we've got um, a tear remover. I mean, they've even got a mouthwash. That's pretty cool. Our dog Jada's got some pretty bad breath. We need to get that. Anyways... Yeah, check them out, guys, at nattyrap.com, N-A-T-T-Y-R-A-P.com. I'll attach a link to their website along with a pro code that you can use on your order in the show notes of this episode. Hey, guys, it's important to, to support the companies that support this podcast because they help keep this podcast alive. So if you if you do have a pet, a dog, check out Natural Rapport. Stop going down to Walmart and buying your dog treats that are made in China and uh, give them the good stuff, man. Natural Rapport, thank you for sponsoring this episode. Our other sponsor for this episode is Exoskin. And Exoskin is a fitting sponsor for this particular uh, 
episode because I wore exoskin socks for the entire 122 miles out there at the Mid-State Mile. And they worked flawlessly, as always. Exoskin socks are... Uh, they're they're light years ahead of any other sock that you're going to put on your feet. I can't understand why every single runner does not wear them. They have apparel to outfit you from head to toe. Their compression shorts are some of my favorite. They are my favorite. This is the only compression shorts that I will wear. Um. They now have a brand new line of underwear, all different styles of shirts and tops, all the way up to arm sleeves, leg sleeves, beanies. Exoskin has got something for you. This is not just your uh, your everyday fabric that you're going to find in, in other brands uh, in the big box stores. This fabric that Exoskin uses in all their products is proprietary fabric. So in other words, no one else can use it. It has copper fibers woven into the fabric in order to cut down on odor-causing bacteria. The fabric is designed to channel moisture away from your skin, keeping you dry. And uh, when you stay dry, you don't chafe. And that's really, really important when you're running some long endurance event. If you're not using Exoskin on your missions, you're missing out. Go check them out at exoskin.us. That's X-O-S-K-I-N.us. I'll attach a link to their website in the show notes of this episode along with a pro code that's going to give you 15% 15% off of your order with Exoskin. Croy and Rick, the owners of Exoskin, are 100% invested in their product. They know their product from top to bottom. This stuff is made 100% in America. That means something to me. I hope it means something to you. So if you're ready to get some uh, or to upgrade your running apparel, go check out Exoskin at exoskin.us. Exoskin, thank you for supporting the 3 of 7 podcast since the very beginning. We love you guys. We appreciate the awesome and innovative products that you continue to improve and supply to us in order to keep us comfortable out in the field. All right, guys. Here's part one of the story behind the Mid-State Mile. Part two will be coming out probably on Monday. Hope you guys enjoy it. Here it is. Welcome, gentlemen. How are you? I'm doing great. Oh, yeah. We're fine. Questions, how are you doing? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you know, it's back to regular life, man. <laughs> yeah. Kind of took a break for a while. It's like a vacation. Hey, 
We got him, son. <laughs> we got him, didn't we? <laughs> Boy, we got him. Hey, you put on a clinic, man. Well, uh, everybody, welcome back to the 3 of 7 podcast. If this is your first time listening, my name's Chad. We've got Chili here. If you're watching, he's the one with the red shirt and the brand new pair of Costa sunglasses on. Brand new. Y'all just let us know if you like his old ones better. Yeah, I can go back to the old ones, but if y'all like them better, but I think I'm going to keep these. Uh, and then we've got Blake here, president of 307 Project. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Blake was the crew chief. Chili has become quite famous. He doesn't quite know how to handle the fame yet, but he's working through it. Man. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> yeah, this is the 307 Podcast. And if you're wondering what 307 Project is, well, tan- in a tangible way, here's what we do. We do a podcast. We do, I, I do speaking engagements. Um, if, if you're into that kind of stuff, uh, we have a course called the basic course where we take you out into the wilderness and train you in all aspects of body, soul, and spirit in order to be a more complete human being. We have a awesome mission called the proving grounds. The next class will be three troop, January of 2022. It'll be here before you know it. If you want to come hang out with us, learn from us, freaking get busy and get better, go to threeof7project.com. You can apply for the proving grounds at least for a little bit longer until it fills up. There's yeah, not a whole lot of space left. I think we only got I think we only got twelve or fifteen spots left. Yeah. Uh so if you want to come out be a part of three troop, that's an that's a freaking awesome mission. Mm-hmm. You can submit an application for the basic course. We're full for uh twenty twenty one. We'll put some new dates out shortly for twenty twenty two. Um you know, why, why the crap am I even telling you about all this stuff? I'm telling you about all this stuff because we just ran the Mid-State Mile last weekend. I ran for 38, uh, 38 hours, mm-hmm. 122.1 miles, and I think we climbed like 37,400 feet. 37, seven. 37. Don't shortchange yourself. No. 37,700 feet. Climbed and descended. All right? So, just to give you a little perspective, I know, 122.1 miles, so what? Uh, but 37.7 climbing and then 37.7 descent. All right, Mount Everest is... 29029. Imagine starting at sea level, climbing to the highest point on planet Earth, and then having somebody build you a staircase that goes up, what, another 8,000 feet? All right, do that, and then come on back down. Just to give you a little perspective. 
You know why I'm telling you this? Because there ain't nothing special about me. And my mission, part of my mission is to teach every one of you guys that are hungry to get better how to do this crap. This, these are, this skill is a teachable skill. I can give you the tools to do this stuff. Now, at what level you're going to implement the things that I teach you, that's up to you. I can't teach you these tactics, techniques, and procedures that will allow you to crush your opponent. I, I, I can't force you to implement them. I can teach them to you, but I can't force you to implement them. So that is the whole reason that I go and do these speaking engagements. That's it. I don't care about being on a stinking stage. I want you to be successful. Whether you're a business, a corporation, a, 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 a church building, what organization, I, I want you to be successful, genuinely. The whole reason I put on these experiences with my team, like the basic course, like the premium guys, the whole reason I put on these missions is to teach you so that you can go out and change the freaking world, man. I ain't playing around with this stuff. This ain't some freaking pastime thing that I do to make money. I'm not selling you some bullcrap personal self-help development program. Negative. I don't teach from theory. I ain't some self-help guy, man. We put this crap to work, man. You want to get better? Roger that. Bring it, son. That's right. I just had to get that out of the way, man, because, you know, we come out of this mission, man, and then we scroll through the daggone Instagram, and you see all this freaking bull crap. Seven steps to help and se implement these three things in your life, and you're going to be great. It's like, man, come on, dude. Come. What have you done? What 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 the crap, man? Yeah. What have you done? Oh, you did something twenty years ago? Good for you. What are you doing now? This is why we run this is why we run, man. This is why we do stuff like this. Anyhow, yeah, this is the three of seven podcast. If you're still listening, we're gonna talk about the race we just ran. A little while back. Um, well, <clears throat> first of all, what's going on, guys? I'm just ready to hear hear your thoughts about it, hear your recap. We're just, or at least I'm all ears. I mean, I'm pretty much at a loss for words of the weekend. I think I saw Chris, our buddy Chris Reckliff, say it best. He was like, Although I'm not surprised by the outcome, I'm at a loss for words of, of how to even recap it or, or what to say and just uh, pretty amazed, not surprised, but amazed about what happened. I'm just ready to talk through it. I mean, it's been, it's only been a day or two and a lot of times the lessons that come out of these take this setting sitting down and talking about it in time to actually recognize things and pull the lessons that you learned 
out of it because there's always new lessons when you go do stuff like that. But you learn about yourself and oh yeah. So yeah, I'm the same way. I'm just ready to break break it out and dig into it and see what uh where it all goes. Yeah, if y'all are watching on YouTube and wondering why I've got these sunglasses on, it's because I'm so proud of them. I just back can't even see straight. So I thought your eyes was still red. No, nah, the the redness has come out. I got a little sleep, so. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I'll be straight up with y'all. I, I'm not. I, I'm feeling great physically today, but mentally, I'm a little up and down. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, I mean, we just we achieved our goal that we had set for us as a team. We achieved that. And you know it's it's gosh man it's tough to get back to uh, I say regular life our life is a blessing I mean we get to do wonderful things work with the best people in the world um, it's tough to get back into the world yeah and when you're yeah. out there it's like you're in a whole nother world or whatever like we stopped at the gas station and I walked in take a pee. And I see all these people in there. I mean, I ain't telling you I'm judging them. I'm just saying, you think, man, I just want to be back out at the race again. Yeah. I was flipping, <laughs> scrolling through there, and I was like, man, I wish we could just be back out there again. You know? I mean, I know you can't be out there forever, but uh, it really is. Even though I didn't run, I got kind of some of the same things because I it was just simple. You know, I didn't have to worry about anything. I didn't have to think about anything. Just about every 18 minutes, I just needed to have some food put out. You did and a dang needed, good job, And I needed too. to put it back up. There was not a whole bunch of things going on. Mm-hmm. There's just one, there's really only one thing I cared about. And, you know, it, it was a, it, in a different way than running, but it was kind of similar. And when you leave that and you get back, to what you do every day, there's a whole lot more than you need that you need to worry about than just putting some food out on mm-hmm. the tray. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm perplexed by how similar the empty feeling that I kind of have right now is to how I feel after a, I've done a big race. It's I feel the same. I feel pretty close to that. That's it's interesting since I you know didn't run. I think it's because when I do do a race, I invest and pour so much of myself into it and this time was no different. It just, I I wasn't running, mm-hmm. you know? So. Yeah. It's cause, I, I think it's cause we were, we were such a tight knit team out there. Mm-hmm. I think that's why, why we all are kind of feeling the same type of feelings. We were all so invested in it. It was so much bigger than just me running. I was just one component of it. Me doing the, the loop there. Um, but yeah, I, it's part of the dang process, man. Uh, you know, you, you accomplish a big goal. You, you hit, you hit them, you meet the mark. Um, and, uh, don't be surprised if you get a little sad sackish the day or two after. Don't be mad. Don't be mad about it. Just roll on with it, son. Right. You, you gotta, you got, you gotta do that. It's part of the process. You know, go ahead. What was you going to say? I was going to say, you also got to know that that although you missed that feeling and that place you were in, obviously you can't be there forever. 
you know, if you were, then it then it it would not be what it was to you. So you got to understand those times only come periodically. So you just enjoy it while it's there. Take what you can from it. And you got to get back into the stuff that you don't necessarily just love to death and live, you know, you got to live your life and just look forward to that next time. I mean, it, if you live there forever, it would not be what it is to you in that short period of time you were there. That's right. I, I guess we should first, uh, we should first break down, uh, talk about why we even do this. People, people might wonder why, why would you even go and do something like this? It's not healthy it, for for your body. It's, we're not talking about doing a workout to get you know physically stronger it's, just, it's why why do you do this you know i i guess for me uh the, one of the big reasons that i do this is the 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 path that god has led me down in life uh it has has kind of developed into me being an instructor or or a, a teacher um and you know, a big part of me doing this is so it is for everybody that uh, that comes out and and participates in everything that we do. Everybody that that is part of the body of three of seven project is, it, you know, I, you guys have heard me say before, a ship doesn't sail on yesterday's wind, and you have to stay relevant, man. If you're gonna teach some stuff, you you have to be the one that goes out and demonstrates how these things work right and you know the the biggest the biggest part of the creed that got me through the race was the the part that says my team expects me to be physically harder and mentally stronger than our opponents and when i say my team i mean every one of you guys that listen to this podcast I mean, every one of you guys that have came out of the basic course, every one of you guys that have came out of the program, you guys are all my team. And I know that you guys expect me to be physically harder and mentally stronger than our opponents. And, um, you know, that got me through, uh, in a big way, the race. Uh, I, I, I told myself I have no choice but to win this race that is not, it's not even an, it's not even an option to not win. And, um, this is like I say, this is why I do this is to stay relevant. And then also just to feel, feel that need to compete mm-hmm. or to strive against someone, uh, in the arena. Now, this is an interesting thing right here. We talk about that competition. And I think the dynamics of competition or striving against other individuals is uh, is hard to comprehend to some people. And I know there were some people out on the Mid-State Mile course in the, in the very, uh, in the later loops that were trying to grasp this concept of, well, you know, what does this competition thing mean? Like, you're out there, and you know there can only be one winner. And so, should you should we all be like patting each other on the back and encouraging each other and 
and saying, oh, yeah, we're, let's do this together. No, that's not, that's not what competition is. Yeah. Competition is, I'm sorry, buddy. That only one of us can win. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm here to beat you. Well, it wasn't a team effort. It was not a team effort. I mean, it was, but not amongst the competitors. That's right. You know, for... And that's one That's one of my notes I got here. The difference between competitors and teammates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right? And, um, and I think that that's a... You know, even, in, even in, in business, if you have a business, like, it's all right. It's all right to strive against your competitors and want to win. Yeah. And I, I think the whole narrative of let's uh let's just all be buddies and pat <laughs> each other on the back and let's get through this together. You know, that whole narrative is what is propagated by a weak society. Like it's great to do that with your teammates when you're when you and your your teammates are trying to accomplish victory, but you don't do... That's not the way you treat the people that you're striving against. And, you know, on the the documentary, guys, asked me, well, uh, you know, how do you know when to... Because, obviously, I encouraged a bunch of people while I was out there, but I encouraged... (laughs) This sounds crazy. I encouraged the men and women that I knew had absolutely no chance of beating me. Those are the people I encouraged. (laughs) If I thought, if I thought you even had a inkling of a chance to beat me, I wouldn't, I was not there to encourage you. But as soon as I saw you falling apart, I wanted you to get a few more laps in. Yeah. And that's competition, man. Yeah. Yeah. There ain't freaking nothing wrong with that. No. I mean, in that setting, you're going to do what you can do to win. And once you know you've won, it's all good. I mean, you want the other well, person to go as far as they can as long as you know that they're not going to beat you because well, you win at all costs in the competition. Well, I mean, also, you know, like he's he just said it. He's not not encouraging people out there. I mean, it's not like, I mean, you could, you, you don't have to, but I mean, at the 2019 Georgia jewel about halfway through, we, we pass each other on some of those dry Creek loops, me and Chad, and he gives me a big high five, you know, I don't even know what all he said to me and, and everything else. I mean, he was encouraging me, uh, but he wanted to absolutely destroy me. Yeah. And I wanted to I wanted to drive him so far into the ground that he never wanted to run again. Yeah. I mean, that's what we were both thinking. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it wasn't. You can still. I mean, you still. It's hard to say. I mean, you 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 can still encourage people, but we both kept that competitive spirit throughout all of it. Yeah, we I, never lost that. It's kind of respect too, right? Like if you yeah. went by and you just being a butthead to each other then be like man that guy's a freaking butthead but it it, i mean even if it's fake it's like yeah come on yeah you know whatever but you know i think it's a matter of respect yeah yeah and and uh that's the thing 
but when I say when I say I'm I'm not going to be encouraging to someone that I'm that I'm competing against, I'm not saying I'm going to be a butthead to them. I'm saying that uh, I'm saying I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Yeah, and I'm going to do little things to get in their head. Right, that's what that means. So I think that's the reason why I do these things. What about you, Chili? Why do you run? Well, a lot of it comes down to, like what you said, striving against something. I mean, I think that's what it's been since I was, since I was young. Like I always say, I started running when I came out of the womb, and that's, I mean, that's a true story. And I just, uh, there's something in me that's hard to put my finger on. In a way, it's hard, and in a way, it's not. It's just I, I think... I think humans are limited. I think the people that say that humans aren't limited, I mean, that's just not reality. Humans are limited in the way, I mean, we're not going to be able to do certain things. We're not perfect, right? But I don't think anybody has ever reached their full potential in life. I don't think, I don't think anybody has ever truly reached their full potential. So, I, I I enjoy running, but but more than that, it's the most pure form of exercise that I've been able to find. It's literally one foot in front of the other, powered by nothing but your own will and determination to to keep moving. And it's a great way to try and find where your potential is, mm-hmm. and keep pushing it, and keep pushing it, and. I love competition. I think running is the most pure form of competition, and I'll, I'll I'll never I'll never stop I'll never stop running and I'll never stop competing. Same here, brother. So that's why we do it. And you're gonna ask show. me why I run? <laughs> well, Blake, you run for pleasure. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't. <laughs> Blake runs for pleasure. <laughs> Blake's more of a crossfitter. <laughs> Blake likes to stay fit. He's got he got Blake has a few more responsibilities in yeah. life than me and Chili have. Well, you know, another thing too is that like a lot of people still want to be something that they're not called to be. Like you know, I mean, this is stuff that I've worked through, but the more you do things and just put yourself out there, you're gonna find out oh man, I kind of, I kind of fit in right here and I'm pretty good at this. And you're also going to find out, man, I'm this, this over here is just not for me. And so, you know, like even this, uh, this past weekend, just doing the crew thing, like it, it was, I, I really liked it. Like I enjoyed it. And it I mean, it wasn't as hard as running the laps, but it wasn't easy either. So, but you know, I'm just saying that to say that you find if you'll just put yourself out there and do things, just try them out. You might be good at it, you might not. Yeah. But if you're going to sit around and try to say, "Oh, I want to be this," and you're spending all this effort striving to be something that you're really not going to be, or you don't enjoy, you mm-hmm. just want it because of maybe the attention it gets, or you think it's cool, but it's just not you. Just leave it alone. You're wasting all of your energy. Just but when you start trying things, don't sit around trying to figure it out without actually going and doing it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, uh, 
let's um let's talk about preparing for the for for the mid state mile. What that looked like for me, uh, I think a lot of you guys that uh, that are, that join us on Patreon, uh, Patreon is where if you like the podcast and you want to support us, you can go on Patreon and do that, and uh, we do some fun stuff over there. But one of the things I I did over there on Patreon leading up to this Mid State Mile race is I posted my daily training load, so I made everybody who wanted to see it. I showed them exactly what I did every single day for about two or three months leading up to this event. Um, the, you know, I like to train. It's not hard for me to want to get out and train. It's, I mean, I love it. So, um, I think my biggest, the, the, the biggest week I had mileage wise was, I want to say it was like 75 miles in a week. Um, other than that, most of my weeks, I'd have to go back and calculate it, but most of my weeks were probably somewhere between 40 and 60 mile weeks, um, right around in there. And uh, also, I have implemented this CrossFit strength training into my program for the first time really ever. Uh, so I would usually leading up to it, an average day would look like, uh, usually a CrossFit workout in the morning and then a run sometime in the afternoon. And then maybe another run in the evening. Uh, that was pretty much the standard. I did a few long runs, maybe three, maybe three. And when I say long runs, I mean, 20 plus miles. I think my longest training run was a 30 mile day on the mountain there where I live at. Um, and then the two weeks leading up, but or the two weeks prior to race day, really all I did was mountain bike mm -hmm. and not, no extreme mountain biking. I mean, just like getting out and just riding. I mean, it was extreme for chili, <laughs> but um, nothing crazy, right? The, the mountain bike, I kind of, I kind of throw that in at the tail end and, uh, and it, it worked, it obviously worked at 38 hours. I felt like I could continue running indefinitely. Uh, if I could be disappointed in one thing, it's that the race didn't go further. Um, and so, you know, talking about leading up to something like this for you guys that might be interested in running, uh, it, it's this is again something that anybody can do you you can train for something like this even if you work a full-time job um even if you 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 have a family whatever it may be it's not that big it, it is it, it is an it is a it is an investment and it is going to require um you to be intentional about your time but it's not something that is unattainable if you have other things going on in your life. And let's just say you have other things going on in your life. <laughs> if you, oh, yeah, If you yeah. pull up our calendar, I mean, it's not like you don't also I have a, have a full-time job. I have a speaking engagement tomorrow yeah. in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no, there's, yeah, I don't just freaking sit around. And, um, 
I, I just hear so many people talk about, well, I, I want to run an ultra, but I want to run a hundred mile or something, but it's just such a big commitment to train for. It's like, no, man, you, you, you got to be fit. Yeah. You got to put in some work, but it's the, it's the mindset paired with enough work that, that will get you through the race. Mm -hmm. All right. So, you know, leading up to it, manage super manageable training load um just really trying to stay healthy i think one thing that you that stresses me a little bit before a race like this i mean we've been waiting a year to do this thing one thing that stresses me a little bit is you 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 have in the back of your mind you don't want to get sick yeah imagine if you got sick or had a cold or some crap on the day of the race man yeah. i mean so i started taking some uh some herbs and some vitamins about uh i'd say about a month prior to the race i don't know if it works or not i just took them <laughs> to hopefully boost my immune system things like vitamin c vitamin d um there's a a, a little herb supplement that uh brooke has that uh, supports your immune system that she gives me um coq10 which helps your uh your lung function um and then i think i took some magnesium and uh that was really about it so i started doing that about i don't know a few a month maybe out from the race just to strengthen my immune system lung function all that and try to decrease the chance of me getting sick before the race uh, so that's what it looked like as far as taking care of myself uh, prior to the race. And then that's leading up to it. And then on, uh, you know, a few days prior to the race, you're you're just getting your gear ready, getting your food ready, all that. And then we head out and we get there. And where y'all want to go from there? I don't know. We'll just start from when we show up. <laughs> I mean, this is yeah. so hard to talk about almost just because I think maybe it's still fresh because we're only two days out, but I don't know. I, I, it's something, it's almost like it was a blur. Yeah. Like I remember certain parts, but if I try to like recall stuff, it's like a blur. I mean, I need to be like, have something mentioned so it jogs my memory. I mean, it's yeah. almost, <laughs> I know it is for you. It's got to be. I mean, we, we pull it. We'll go through it as as far as we as much as we can. Some parts are probably more interesting than the others, but you pull in and you get to that little field before their house, and everybody's got their stuff set up out there. You know, got I don't know how many campers was down there. In oh, that the whole field, field was full tents and cars, and and then uh, RV Mike. We pull up. He's got our. RV set up for us. We put all our stuff in. Jesse's RV. Yeah, not our <laughs> RV. That's right. Thank you, Jesse Itzler. That's right, and thank you, RV Mike. Oh, I love RV Mike. Up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we get everything set up. Chad, uh, Chad gets a knock about every two or three minutes on the RV door. Once we get there, getting things put out, and uh. So th this is this is an interesting thing too because uh, the dynamics of my life have changed so much. When uh, when we show up at the Mid State Mile, you know, I I am a big proponent of being 
the gray man. And people can pe- people can dispute that all they want, but I'm going to tell you right now, if, if you're really trying to win, that's the perfect position to be in. It's what got me through SEAL training. The, the instructors didn't even know who I was until like third phase when there was like 15 guys left or whatever, 20 guys left. Yeah. And I couldn't be the gray man anymore. But, um, you know, used to, I could go to a race and of course, not, and that's not that long ago. Nobody knew who I was. Nobody freaking cared who I was. It didn't. I mean, I was just, I, and there's nothing special about me now, but we just, now we have a podcast and people tune in and people know who I am. And so, that's a, that's a new dynamic for me is showing up at the race and, and you've got, you know, your brothers and sisters there that know you, that, that have never met you, but have listened to the podcast and, and, you know, followed you on Instagram. And you know what? In my opinion, those people deserve to, to hang, to, to come and shake my hand and, yeah. and have a conversation, man. Oh yeah. And so, you know, but but that's another piece that you all of a sudden that's another thing that's on your plate that you have to manage. Mm-hmm. So you, there's no longer you can just kind of just relax and and do your own thing. It's well, you have to give some of yourself to these people that have come out and want to have a conversation with you and meet you because you know you see each other on Instagram all the time, but you know and. Um, you know, I I love that. I I absolutely love it. But I'm trying to manage that and also manage my own mindset and getting in that getting in the zone mm-hmm. at the same time. So yeah, we pull up and of course daggone half the people at the race were 3 or 7 project. Yeah. You know, basic course graduates, proving ground graduates, uh people that follow us on Instagram. It was so cool to get to spend some time and uh, and meet all those people. And then, of course, we had Ed and Dwayne doing the documentary at the same time. So they wanted to get a plan together, get the cameras out, get started filming. So there were multiple layers of things that we had to manage. And not, not so not just our own, let's get these jugs mixed with Tailwind, Let's get our gear straight and then get some rest. Yeah. No. Nah. <laughs> but we 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 did it and I think it actually I think it actually helps me. I think it actually you, you know so I, I I could sit here and say uh it's not a good thing, but I think it is a good thing, man. Well, you, it's just the energy, man. You've learned to manage that really well cuz not too long ago all that stuff would have really ticked you off. Like you would have just wanted to show up and run your race. Yeah, yeah. And now I, you know, I the same things are, are happening that would have made you mad then, but now you're able to not only receive it and give back to other people by doing that, but and now but you've turned it to where it's something that can help you, you know, because it's the same thing coming, but you've been able to say, well, all right, here it is. Let me take it, deal with it. And now you're not only dealing with it, but turning it to give you more energy or more motivation to keep going. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, that that was, this was the first time I'd seen that happen, really. I mean, I crewed you on any other races, but I'd been there. And anybody that 
wanted to talk to you or do something in the middle of your race, if they weren't providing aid or help, that I remember you didn't really care to talk to them. Yeah. So, but at this race, you know, I really saw you turn that kind of turn that coin and and you just said it even gave you more energy mm-hmm. during the race. So it's kind of cool. Well, it's energy, right? It's all energy. And that can either completely drain you mm. or you can it can build you up. Yep. You yep. can let it help you. So I, that's a very difficult thing to do to actually not let that drain you. But I thought you did a amazing job because it's, I mean, it, it's pressure, right? I guess it, I mean, I don't know. You might, no, it is. It I is mean, pressure. you know, but when you, how you approach stuff like this is when you put so much pressure on yourself, that outside pressure sometimes just can't even penetrate what you've already, you know, I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to speak for him, but when he said earlier that he felt like he had to win this race to me, that sounds like you had enough pressure on yourself that nobody was really going to add to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Well, yeah, you take, you, you take quitting. I had taken quitting off the table period. Um, and so we find, we get to meet everybody and, uh, we finally get, get settled down in the, in the RV that night, go get ready for bed. Brooke, I bet Brooke, Brooke, by the way, Brooke cannot sleep anywhere except for her bed. She slept pretty good in that RV I, I, Saturday no. night. She, she, I, <laughs> she must have been awful tired because Friday night, I'll bet that joker got up to use the bathroom 10 times. Oh, yeah, she did. One, and one time she she had something in her eye, and she set, set up making racket for about 15 minutes. Trying, I'm like, how do you get something in your eye laying in the bed? With your eyes closed. With your eyes closed. <laughs> well, I, I was worried that RV was going to come off the darn uh, jacks there. That thing was shaking, and I don't know what she's doing, jumping jacks in there or something. But uh, Dude. Like to roll out of the darn bunk. So yeah, not a very good night's sleep Friday night. Uh, we were we were, you know, I, I was trying to rest. I tried to explain to, to Brooke like, "Hey, do you think maybe you should just go sleep in one of the bunks and leave me here in this bed by myself because I'm gonna be up for a little while after after this." And uh, she don't cut me no slack, son. <laughs> she she didn't give a crap. <laughs> Well, I'm talking about she didn't give a crap. You've said it before. It's a good thing that uh, Thursday night's rest was pretty good. Yeah. That is the most important day. I've heard so, that. I mean, I believe that. And I heard you say it earlier, too. So that's uh, if Thursday's bad, you're in trouble, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then we get up. So we get up Saturday morning. I get up about 630, something like that. And um, walk out of the camper, and first thing, there's Dwayne and Ed with their cameras right in my face, and they say, Greg Armstrong's back. <laughs> Greg Armstrong's back. So Greg Armstrong is the guy that I raced against last year at the Mid-State Mile, one of the best ultra runners out there. I mean, he's got the resume to prove it. And um, nobody knew he was coming to race. 
He wasn't on the ultra sign-up list of of competitors. Not, nobody had a clue. We I thought he was out of the country doing his uh, doing his mission with uh, Run for Water. And uh, they say, Greg Armstrong's back. And I'm like, well, if there's one person I want to run against this year, it's Greg Armstrong. Mm-hmm. See, y'all don't understand how I how I look at my competitors when I'm looking at that list of people who's showing up. I want to see the best runners out there. That you know, I I want to see the best people. I don't look at those competitors and say, "Daggone it, man." I wish Greg Armstrong wouldn't have showed up because I don't know if I can beat him. No, all that does is make me happy. Mm-hmm. I was tickled to death that he decided to come back. Yeah, but boy, he dropped in there at the last minute, son. <laughs> and uh, and Dwayne and Ed, they were eating that up. Oh, boy. Yeah, they were eating that up. Yeah, they son. were. Well, I don't know if he had been planning on it or not. I mean, obviously, you can't get in his head and know, but I do know that he is one of the few people that could legitimately call Becca and John five minutes before the race and say, hey, can I get in this thing? And they yeah. would say yes. I mean, you could do that. Yeah. You know, so, but who knows? He may have been scheming. You never know about old Greg. He don't say much. <laughs> no. uh-uh. He don't say much, man. Um, Blake went and got us some coffee. Had a good cup of coffee that morning. Um, Got my morning poo in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we headed on out there to get this thing going. So let's take a little break. We'll come back and uh, we'll start digging into the actual race. Easy, chili. Easy there, Chili. <laughs> Get a squirrel in his mess. We're back with you guys. So we've we've kind of talked through the 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 whole why we do this, the the lead up to it, how we trained, um, the the night before, the morning of, leading up to. Now we finally get get going on this thing man and so the way i approach the first 12 hours uh we'll we'll break down the first 12 hours so that race started at eight o'clock a.m and uh so we'll go through to 8 p.m which is the first intermission the way the race works is you run the one mile loop you have 20 minutes to run it. You do that continuously every uh, every 12. It's every 12 hours. There's an intermission, right? Yes. So every 12 hours, the race directors have programmed in a 20 minute long intermission, where you get a 20 minute uh, break, and you utilize that time however you want to utilize it. And I know, I know, Chili don't like that. I don't like it either, but. The, the race directors did it to make the race harder. Yeah. That's the reason they did it. Um, they, and, and it, it actually, it actually allows you to either be smart or dumb <laughs> according to how you utilize that time. And, uh, and they, I say the race directors program that intermission to make the race harder because the longer the race goes, the harder the race is. Mm-hmm. So the more that they can do, the, the the more things that they can do to make the race go longer, uh, 
the harder the race is, if that makes any sense. So the first 12 hours, to me, are just literally process loops. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not... I, I'm not trying I, – I'm not even thinking about anything. I, I know I'm not thinking about anything other than this is just part of the process. Um, maybe I'm establishing my pace a little bit, but since I ran last year, I kind of knew – I kind of already knew what it felt like to to run the course at the pace that I wanted to run it. So at this point – uh, the, this first 12 hours, there ain't nothing hard about it. It's it's just going through the motions. At this point, it's not hard to be patient, present, deliberate. None of that stuff is hard at this point because it's like it's just the first 12 hours. Um, you, I'm not paying attention to who's dropping out. I'm not looking. I'm not trying to be tactical tactically assessing my other competitors i'm literally just saying all right this is my pace i'm going to keep running this loop at this exact same pace which puts me in the very back of the pack yeah every single loop but i'm okay with that um did y'all see anything go down in the first 12 hours I didn't get because, like I say, I'm I'm literally in this mode in that in that first twelve where I'm just like it's nothing, it's just executing, and it's easy. But I'm not even looking around me. I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the other runners. Even I mean, probably till it got down, even to the top five. I didn't even really know. I knew a couple of the people that were the top five, but there was a p- couple people I just. Maybe that came into aid state or to their crew area before us, but I didn't even really, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to them. I, I, it wasn't the top five in the twelfth, you know, by the twelve hour. It's a little bit after that, but I didn't really notice anything. I mean, you know, what were you guys doing in your roles? Were you just what 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 was what was going on? Well, in the beginning, we, I mean, I was just. Chili was doing all the social media stuff, and then uh, we had his dad, Jeff, there. We had Mom in the tent, and then later on, after Tim's knee had stopped, Mm -hmm. he stayed to help us. But, you know, in the beginning, you didn't really require a whole lot. I mean, we just had to kind of get the stuff out there for you, and you got what you want. So, I mean, for us, I think we, for me, I was kind of dialing in what, what you were eating the most of, what you wanted, and if you weren't telling me, maybe I'd just bring some stuff out there and just trying it, just not even to waste the energy to ask you, just put it out there for a few laps. If you ate it, I'd put it out again. If not, I wouldn't eat it. So for me, I mean, this is really the first race I'd crewed you on. So yeah. I know you as a person, but when you're racing, the the details of what you want and stuff like that, I didn't really know. So for me, I, it was kind of trial and error, and I just used that time to figure out how I could serve you best when the race did actually start for you. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think we the the crew was super efficient at first, Mm-mm. but somewhere in that first twelve hours, we uh, established some roles for everybody and started working as one unit, kind of like an assembly line. You know, yeah. one person you didn't. Not everybody. If everybody tries to do everything, it doesn't work. Mm-mm. And 
you, you know, when you've got five people coming in or, or when he comes in and you've got five different people asking him if he wants tailwind, it's like, good grief. I mean, personally, that's annoying, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that needs to stop. I mean, mm-hmm. so we had to, you know, Blake was the crew chief and he basically needed to tell everybody what they were doing and they needed to listen. And once that happened, I thought, I thought, I thought it started working really well, yeah. you know, um, hopefully Chad did cause that's what we were doing it for. But I yeah. think, I think somewhere along there we got, it got moving, it got moving good. So yeah. In the beginning we just kind of did, I mean, it would have probably been better if it was more efficient, but I remember Chad come in one lap and he said, all right, we need to get this thing wired tight. We need to be as efficient as possible when I come in. And, and for me, I don't remember what hour that was. I know we're, I don't want to get ahead of us, but when he said that is when I thought, all right, we got these people here now. How can we make this work the best and break the task down to where someone's just doing something really small, but really good. And so I don't want to get ahead of us. We'll talk about that. I, that wasn't in the first 12 hours. So Yeah, yeah. and, and I, I, actually, I actually wanted it to happen that way. So, you know, we, we, had, a, we had tons of support out there, thankfully. Blake kind of went down the list. We had Tim Snee, RV Mike, uh, uh, Chili's dad, Jeff. Um, you know, we had a lot of great support people and experienced people out yeah. there. We had mom out there. Um, but, uh, you know, I think in the beginning, it's really surprising to me because it's it's totally different than what how Blake would set it up. Blake would want to have everybody's roles and responsibilities, like, detailed and outlined and have a plan together and all this. But, you know, everybody's asking me, how do, you, how, how do I want this to work? Because I'm the one racing, mm-hmm. and this is the way I wanted it to work, was I knew – that first 12 hours of the, the, just the process loops, I knew that I could get through that first 12 hours or even 24 hours without any help from anybody. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't worried about everything being super efficient and tight. I just wanted to get out there and uh, and let it start flowing. And I knew that you guys would fall in to that uh, to that groove where all the roles and responsibilities came out and who was the right person to do them. And you can't plan that, son. You no. just got to let it happen. Yeah, You just yeah, got to let it so. happen. It well, worked out good because me not having any experience in it, if I had experience in it, I probably would have tried to do that from the beginning. You know, because just like you said, I would have wanted to plan it all. And I don't know, but I think in the beginning, it probably would have aggravated you more had all that stuff been going on, people giving out clock countdowns, trying to get your poll and make it, you know, it's like, I, I'm fine right now. I can just kind of do this stuff. Just yeah. let me do it and put some food out. But Well, I don't know. I think the number one mistake people make is they, they come in and they just, they love you and they just want to do something for you. Yeah. And everybody wants to just do something. Please let me do something, you know, and let me let me just try to do this. Can I help? Can I help? And it's like, Sometimes the best way you can help when every job is filled is to step back, yeah, support him, and and just I don't want to say stay out of the way, but sometimes when the jobs are filled, just support him, just yeah. stand back, and you know that's that's the 
it, it's just it needed to work out how it did. I agree, and uh, I, th- I thought it was good because people people filed in how they were supposed to. But just remember when you, whenever you're crewing somebody, you know sometimes you need to step in when you see a need. But if you don't see a need, don't just make one. Yeah, just you know let it keep functioning and so. don't ask don't ask what can i do where can i help just like you said just look at what's going on step step outside of the circle of the tent and look at everything and say dang if they could do this it would make it a little bit easier mm-hmm. and then just step in and say hey i i think i could do this to help yeah. and they'll either say yeah it's good i did knock it out or no we're good man so, but you come in and ask, I mean, if I knew I needed it, I would have already told somebody. So don't ask me if, if I, if <laughs> right. I, you know, if you can yeah. do anything, I mean, it's not, it's fine, but that's the best way to help anybody in any situation. Just look at it and, you know, take charge, so to speak and say, Hey, I, I see this need. Can I feel it? Yeah. The only issue that I had really physically in the first 12 hours is I had late, late in that later on into that like maybe hour nine ten something like that i had tied my right shoe too tight and i think if i would have been running on a more uh, um some more uh flatter terrain it would have the shoe would have been perfect but what was happening on those downhills as i'd go downhill and my foot would be pushed uh into the toe of the shoe, mm-hmm. um, the top laces on that shoe were irritating the tendons in the top of my foot, and so that thing, that thing got pretty flared up, and um, it was, it was concerning. I caught it pretty early on in my function check. Yeah, and uh, you know, I knew that. It wasn't something that was uh it wasn't something that was like debilitating, but I knew that it could become that mm-hmm. if I didn't stay on it. So I kept adjusting the laces on that r- shoe on that right foot. Yeah. And I, I guess did you guys see me doing that? Oh yeah. Yeah, and we had a shoe change around hour nine if i remember correctly that was at the first intermission okay yeah we waited till 12 hours yeah and that was the only shoe change you did yeah and i I knew yeah i mean i knew uh when they say something's wrong i mean i don't think nothing was wrong yet but i just knew that that was that was because it needed to happen (laughs) not that was out of the ordinary (laughs) yeah yeah well and to take a step back, Chad said he called it in his function check. I saw some comments somewhere, and people were asking, what's a function check? So if you're listening to this, what he's saying is that as he's running, he's not so focused on one thing that he forgets about his tool, which is his body. So he's checking and consciously thinking about his feet, his legs, his core, all the way up to his head, and just assessing each part of his body and saying, yeah, that feels good, or no, there's a problem here. I need to fix it on the next lap. Mm-hmm. So just to clear that up, if you've been through any of our courses, you know what that is, but a lot of you haven't, so that's what he's talking about. Yeah, that's right. And, and I want you guys also to know I'm performing this function check in order to identify little small problems so that I can fix them or compensate for them. 
not so that I can go back into my freaking crew tent and say, dang, the top of my foot is really bothering me. I, y'all had no clue. Y'all, you might have known because you were runners and you saw me adjusting that. I never once told you about that, did right. I? Right, yeah. No, if we knew anything, it wasn't because you said it. <laughs> yeah. It was just because we're... But But how many people would come in and say, Oh man, the top of my foot's really hurting. Oh yeah, there there was some people giving giving a voice to their pain out there. <laughs> uh, honestly, people quite they enjoy giving a voice to their pain. Yeah. So, you know, and Chad didn't do it one time. Mm-mm. Makes a difference. That's what makes the difference, son. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was the only thing I was catching. I knew it could become something. And what that was caused, the reason I did that shoe change, they were two identical pairs of shoes, mm-hmm. the Hoka Speedgoat. The pair that I started in was a newer pair of Speedgoats. I had only ran in them one or two times. Um, and I thought, I, I've, I've worn these shoes for years now, and I thought, well, you know, they, it's broken enough. But that that newer pair of shoes they just weren't worn in yeah. the way they should have been worn in. And that's what was causing that. And so that's why I did the shoe change. I went from that newer pair that I had bought to race in mm-hmm. because the cushion is still nice and supple and they haven't been worn out. The grip is is 100%. And um, so I changed from that to my old ragged out pair that I've already ran probably four or 500 miles in that have really been broken in good. And um, that helped tremendously. Mm-hmm. So that'll lead us up to the that first intermission there. Now, when you go into this intermission, we talked about how to utilize that time. And for me, I told Blake what I wanted to do. We come in. Look, I can talk. I can eat. I can drink. I can do all that stuff during the race. There's only one thing that I can't do any other time except for that intermission. And that is lay down on the ground and close my eyes. Yeah. That's it. So that's what we did. We came in, even though I knew I wasn't going to sleep. I wasn't sleep deprived. I wasn't tired. Nothing like that. But I still lay down, put my feet, elevated my feet. Um, and put my hands on my stomach, closed my eyes, and focused on my breathing. And that's what I did until we had four minutes left. Yep. Um, I got up, didn't sleep, but it got up, focused on, I was just focusing on my breathing, allowing my body to calm down, oxygen, you know, getting oxygen in, breathing deep, that four by four breathing, get up put my dang shoes on. We got four minutes left. Then I get a few bites to eat, uh, you know, a few things to eat, get a little bit of drink, and we're back out for another 12 hours, which is, it's dark now. Mm -hmm. It basically gets dark during that 20-minute intermission. Yep. So headlamps on, Mm -hmm. out into the night. Well, let me ask you this, too. That intermission, we touched on it earlier, not being big fans of it just in general. How stiff were you getting up from that first 12-hour? or that Yeah, that first intermission after 12 hours. I was not stiff at all. Okay. I literally I felt, I felt good. That's, I felt better. 
yeah, it actually helped me. It did what it, it did what it was supposed to do. Yeah. Um. So yeah, got right back up, got back after it into the night. Now people ask me all the time. Y'all y'all heard Chili say on the video, the nighttime is where we make our money. Uh, we own the night. We we love running in the night, and there that is something that really goes back to being a seal you know most people when it gets dark outside and your world shrinks down to this little spot of light that you can see right there at your feet and that's all you can see you can't you can't assess the gate of your competitors you 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 can't see everybody you can't see facial expressions none of that it's just this little spot of light in front of your feet I absolutely love that. Now, a lot of people, what will happen is when their world shrinks down to that little spot of light, they start getting in their own head. The night closes in around them. They get a little bit anxious. They get a, There's armadillos running through the woods and crap going everywhere. And the, the loops, uh, you have to work a little harder during the night to meet your your time because you you can't run as fast because obviously it's dark outside and all you can see is the little spot in front of you so this screws with people so bad but i absolutely love it but now even i have to work a little harder on those night loops to to meet my my splits on the loop but man i feed off of the knowledge that these other people are are just they're not liking this darkness. Mm-hmm. They're not liking this period of darkness. Yeah. And I feed off of that, man. Well, I think and you know, you you look at that the, the night in other areas too, but you know humans just in general are at a disadvantage at night. So you say, All right, I'm racing against other humans. If I want to be better than them in the day, I can do that, but I have to do a lot more things to get better than them during the day. But at the night, you only got to, I mean, you go out and do a little bit of training at night and kind of get comfortable with it, and you're at, you've just 10 times your advantage over them. So that's where you can make the most difference mm-hmm. in separating yourself from them is where is where are people at a general disadvantage just overall? And then you find that, and you say, well, I'm going to go get good at that. And then you really can, you know, it just, like, it propels you. And, I mean, you were already good at that from being in the SEAL teams and doing a lot of stuff at night. And that's, that's right. why you guys did stuff at night, because the other humans were at a disadvantage, and you said, let's hit them where they're not good. A hundred percent, man. A hundred percent. Yep. And if you'll notice, that night, I got late into the night, uh, in, in you know, the the... The toughest times are, you know, you got to let it get on up into two, three o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. That's when them. That's when your your competitors they've been sucked into this little spot of light, and they've been in their heads for, you know, a long, long time, and they're just that sleep deprivation is starting to set in. And if you'll notice, I get a little more vocal <laughs> when we come into the crew areas, mm-hmm. right? And um. You know, there's a, I think there's a video uh, that one of you guys took of uh, when Isaac came in late at night. Yeah. 
and he's just just hurting, man. And you know, I'm 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 say I'm telling him the creed, the parts of the creed that that you know he needs to learn to persevere and thrive on adversity. Yeah. There we go. It's time to encourage Isaac because yep. I know he's 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 yeah. done, man. Yeah, you know. I say he's done. He ran a long time after that, but I know he can no longer win. Dude, yeah. Isaac, man. He did he did well. Good work. He did really well. But I knew he couldn't win. Right. And so, you know, I get vocal, man, and that's when when my opponents start showing weakness is when I will intentionally show strength. Does that fe- Go ahead. No, go ahead. Does that feed you too? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. It, it's yeah. It's it's just it's a tactical decision that I make. You know that that first twelve hours, I didn't show. I didn't really say much at all. Didn't yeah. didn't need to show any strength because everybody was feeling strong. But as soon as I think the weakness that I see in my fellow competitors feeds me the most, mm-hmm. and then knowing that I can show some strength there. And then knowing what's going through their heads. I know what's going through their heads. <laughs> All these cats, they think this dude's never going to stop. He is never going to stop. Now, that's a lie. I would get, I, I would get to a point that my body would break and shut down. If, if, you, wanna, if you can take me there, take me there. Yeah. Um, but they don't even think that's a possibility when they're feeling like ever-living crap. And I'm over here just acting a fool, son. Well, Chad's always got, you know, a little swag about him. You got to have swag, man. But the swagger comes out at night in full force. Uh (laughs) That's a lot. That's a lot. You know, that's that's a lot of people's dang problem, man. They ain't got no swag. Yeah. Your swag is what makes you who you are. And you stifle that in order to fit in some box. Yeah, that society wants to put you in, as a as a daggone slave, of culture. Yeah, and if you ain't got no swag, you ain't about to be nothing special, son. That's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and and Blake, Blake and PN snapped me off the leash. They gave me yeah. full permission. To lean into swag. Yep. <laughs> and I said, oh, it's on. It, it, I'm allowed to say whatever the crap I want to <laughs> say out here. Have y'all seen them when people put them Mentos in a in a bottle? A Coke bottle? Yeah. yeah. It was like Chad, we had dropped some Mentos in the bottle and put the lid on. <laughs> and he said, all right. We said, well, right, we're going to pop the lid. And he's just like this. Well, yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to know uh, in this this next the second twelve hour period. Uh, that's when Nathan showed up. Uh, I was I kept thinking the whole time when I heard he was coming that that would probably give you a little boost. You know, I just talk about that if I know you were excited to see him. You know, yeah, yeah, I was, I was. You know, the biggest the biggest part. Uh, I guess the most excited thing I was to see Nathan was to know that he would be there to uh, to just interact and be with our people. Uh-huh. Because, you know, PN's such a big part of 307 Project, and that was so rewarding for me to know that he would be able to be there and have conversations with uh, 
with other you know our our basic course graduate graduates and and other people there mm-hmm. and pour into them because I know Nathan would be the man to do that. And so as far as you know, hit Nathan's presence is is always a strengthening presence. But uh, there was nothing that he he knew. There was nothing that he needed to say or do. Just him being there mm-hmm. was definitely strengthening. He he he's you know. He's got a way of doing that, just like you guys do. Well, we've got the right people on the team. Yeah. Between me, Chili, Blake, Nathan, oh, we got the right people on the team. Mm-hmm. We can't lose. I don't. I, it's it's a it's a it's a divine thing. So yeah, it was good to see him there, and just knowing that he was going to be there to talk to and encourage and speak life into other people that that means something to us, Mm -hmm. that was what really made me happy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want to step back, too, and, you know, we was talking about how kind of everything you do has a reason, and a lot of people would come up to me. Uh, Ed come up and asked me one time. John asked me a couple things, and they were saying, you know, hey, this is kind of going on. Do you think that that is – happening on purpose or you think it's just this or that and i'm like no man if if something has changed or something has happened out there it's happened for a reason and it it was cool to see that throughout the you know we talk about being deliberate and all that means is that you have a reason for doing what you're doing it might it might be bad or it might be good but at least you have a reason for the things that you do and you're not just out there operating, you know, and so it was cool to see through the whole race, every little thing that you did had a specific reason. Maybe it was a big reason, maybe it wasn't much, but there was nothing you said, nothing you did, or nothing you didn't say that I don't think you had a reason for. Oh, 100%. You know? And what's a specific example? You said people were asking you, this is going on. Is there a reason for that? Well, I, I want to hear about that. What, like, what, so one of the questions Ed asked, he said, uh, he said, Luke has been coming in ahead of Chad the whole time, and now I see he's starting to come in with Chad, and a couple times Chad's even come in ahead of him. Do you think Luke is breaking down, or do you think Chad's speeding up? Do you think that just kind of has happened, or is there a reason for that? And I said, no, Ed, it's all it's all part of the part of the whole process that you know he's doing that stuff on purpose wherever he's at in the race is he's there for a reason it's not because he felt good and he said well i'm just gonna run a fast lap this lap (laughs) or i'm gonna slow down this lap because i'm i'm a little bit tired if if he's going to exert more or less energy to change the pace he's been doing it's because there's something that needs to happen out there that is just another chip away at at the overall outcome so i mean that's one specific example i can think of then I'll, I'll probably think of some more in a little bit, but well, and the the pale horse started to ride that that during this nighttime block, right? Yep. Leading up into the wee hours of the morning, the pale horse starts to ride, and so I'm telling these guys, it. it so the pale horse, you guys heard Chili and me talking about that. This is this is biblical. The pale horse, behold the pale horse, and he that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. So 
I'm in the back of the pack every single loop, and I'm watching my competitors out front of me every single loop. And and you know what's nice about being the pale horse? You get to spend some time with every single runner out there. You're the gatekeeper. You really are. <laughs> you get to see everybody on their way out. You get to see you get to spend time with every single competitor when they are at their lowest point. Because as soon as they spin that loop or two with you, they're gone. And so we're out there at night. And uh, who was the big guy in the tent right beside us? He had a great attitude. Forbes. Forbes. Oh, Forbes. Forbes. So <laughs> Forbes had, had, Forbes had, was leading a nice little group of, of strong men for the longest time out ahead of me. And uh, I, I, they, they, they kept getting a little closer. And a little close, and I knew I wasn't speeding up. I was watching my time, all right. And I'd yell up there to them every now and then when they'd get right, you know, and within earshot. I'd say, well, "Why don't y'all just come on back here and spend a little time with me, guys? <laughs> the view's nice back here. It's uh, it's great. Just know when when you come back here, run a few laps with me. It's gonna be nice, but." You're you're almost you're gonna be you're gonna be ready to go on out. Uh-huh. So, uh, old Forbes, you know he he he'd fall back there. He he he'd hear me coming up behind him, and I'd come right up right up even with him. And he'd look over at me and he'd say, "Oh crap!" And he'd take <laughs> off. He said, "Man, I gotta stay ahead of you, right?" Um, you know, and and eventually that was no longer possible. But this is what we're talking about. The, the gatekeeper, the pale horse, you know, and, and man, people get back there with you and they know, well, man, I ain't seen Chad all day. What the heck? And, and, and I, and, and I talk to them, they, they get back there and I say, oh man, you're a new face. Uh, what, what, what's how, you know, what's your story? <laughs> I haven't seen you all day. And man, they know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> About to get eaten alive. It's it's about to be over for him, son. I think in the beginning too, when when you're coming in at the end, people for some reason mistakenly think that where you finish that lap kind of places where you're where you're at and how you're feeling. So they think, <laughs> son, I I just blistered that lap first one in. You know, they kind of just walk in, making some jokes, get, and then you start to see them. They'll come, then they'll come in, and they'll have a little bit of little bit of bad look on their face and the next time they'll have old terrible grimace and and then they don't not saying nothing and you think yep there it comes i mean you know you could see that happen but what was interesting i saw as you ran and i'm not trying to make this this is about the race but all i focused on was you but i saw you know in the beginning you would come in with only about a minute left. Sometimes maybe even like 50 seconds. But you got faster as the race went on. I think in that second 12-hour period, um, through the night and into the morning, you started getting up like a minute and a half, minute and 45. And then there at the end, it was really, I mean, it was more like two and a half minutes that you would come in and have left. I don't think you really ever came in any faster than that. one lap where I had three minutes left. Yeah. So... You know, you, you you be that's another example of being deliberate about what like you had a reason why you did that in the beginning, and then in the end, what I mean, I don't know what the reason was. Why did you start to speed up toward the end? Did you want or need more time as you came in, or it was so 
We'll get to that. Okay. It, it was time. It was part of some advice Chili had given me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, know, I know what that was. And well, so I'll say too. Uh, one thing that was, uh, you know, last year, it, it was really the case that people were not thinking you were much to be reckoned with when you came in late because mm-hmm. you know that you. I mean, people knew who you were, but uh, some people didn't. And they were thinking, oh, this dude's just, he's been in the back all day. And that was when it really, I think, was catching people by surprise. And this year, I didn't think that was going to happen because I was like, well, they know Chad now. You know, that yeah. that's that's his style and everything. And I swear, some people. No, they still did it. Yeah. Yeah, they, they I mean, still think, oh, I, that's what Chad's I mean. a good runner, but I've sure enough trained this time. <laughs> I've got. He ain't trained like I've trained. He ain't. I mean, that's I, probably true. Oh, uh, yeah. But, well, I don't know about that. Depends on what you're talking about. You you've talked about your preparation. Training goes beyond just a few hill repeats. Just remember that. What do you mean by that? Well, some people think that all you need to do to train for this race is, you know, run up a hill a few times, get your miles up. It just it just goes beyond that. I mean, that could be a whole podcast in and of itself. It, it it'd take a long time to explain that. Chad's trained for this race for thirty three years. I mean yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the pale horse started to ride. Do y'all understand I had a plan that I knew would work. That we just talked about it coming in at the back every single time with you know, 45 seconds to a minute and a half to spare. That's it. I knew this plan would work, but y'all understand how hard it is when to, to run in the back for that long, how hard it is to continuously execute a plan that you know is going to work, but it requires you to be in the back over and over and over and over again. I mean, there's a lot of times that I just I just want to see some new people. I, like, I want to go up and hear what they're talking about up front. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, I want to see what they look like, this and that. But I had a plan that I knew would work, and I had to be patient enough to let it happen. Patience was the key component. Yeah. Absolute key component. It's what won the race. Long suffering. Yep. It's 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 what won it. Yeah. Um do you have a plan that you know will work, but you get in a little bit of a rush? It might all fall apart. Yeah. Execute the freaking plan. It's a good plan. Plan your dive, dive your plan, execute it perfectly over and over and over again, and before you know it. You're going to look around you, and you're going to say, is there nobody else? <laughs> mm-hmm. It works. Um, Somewhere in that second 24 or that second 12-hour one, I think is when you came in and you said, all right, we need to get this running. I don't know. Maybe that was the – maybe that was – no, I guess it was somewhere in there where you said we need to get this thing efficient. That was that would be getting up into the wee hours of the morning, probably. Yeah. When I came in and 
you know, the field was dwindling down. Yeah. I was seeing a bunch of new faces back there with me. I knew there were a bunch of people. I had been yelling at the, the runners that night saying, all right, boys, this is where we separate the wheat from, or, or the chaff from the wheat, right? This is where this, the night, this is where we separate it. Yeah. And so that separation was happening or had, had fairly progressed. And that's when I, yeah, came in and told you, all right. Uh, and I also, another reason I told you that is because Greg was still in. I saw how strong Luke was. And uh, Luke has a great resume. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah. You know, uh, and um, I knew by about 4, 4 a.m. we were going to be there for a long time. Uh-huh. And that's why, that's why I said, all right, man. Make sure you got enough dang food. Yeah. Make sure we're wired tight because we're going to settle in here for a while. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, we were creeping up on that 24-hour mark that mm-hmm. I had the realization, realization that, okay, we're going to be here for a long time. What, uh, after he said that, Chili, there was a, about maybe 40 minutes in there. You were just madder than fire in there. Chili had to. I oh, mean, yeah. I want to hear about that. He had. It wasn't a straight face. It was like this big old frown. He he was mad in his eyes. He wouldn't say nothing to nobody. And I said, Chili, what's going on, man? He said, nothing. I said, just, I mean, why aren't you going to tell nobody? He said, it wouldn't be good. I'm just not going to say it. And I went over to take a pee. And uh, and I see he followed me to the porta potties. I was looking out the vent, and he was still walking over there. And I got out, and I said, "What, Chili?" And he said, "What did you tell me? I don't even remember what you said. You said something. Uh, I can't even remember what you said. I told you I ain't gonna say. Yeah, he said something, and, <laughs> and I but, told you there was a difference between anger and intensity. Oh yeah, he said that we was all sitting in there, and he said some of you need to learn <laughs> the difference between anger and intensity. And everybody like looked at each other. It was like, what? So what was going on there, Chili? Listen. I think he wasn't happy with the way the aid station was functioning at that time, or the crew was functioning at that time, but I don't know. I, don't, I, I want to hear it. Yeah, I was getting ticked off. <laughs> what were you saying? I mean, listen, there's some, you know, there's, I've never crewed in that capacity either, or I didn't, I mean, been a part of it in that capacity where I wasn't a participant and the like I said, the the kind of empty feeling after the race is pretty similar, and and the ebbs and flows of of whenever I run a race were similar when I was doing this. Like I had highs and lows. Like when I'm running, it was odd. I didn't expect that. Um, and I I just. I could feel the mood, or not not the mood, I could feel the, the tides changing at that point. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I didn't feel like other people got that, yeah. that were around, uh, you know, in our group yeah. specifically, because I'm not worried about what anybody else is thinking. And I, I mean, it just, um, it did, it did tick me off. I mean, I guess I was a little mad because, because I was like, I see the tides changing and nobody's responding to that. Uh-huh. Like when the tides change, let's respond. Let's, we need to adjust with that because it's going to be important for Chad. 
and and we nobody was nobody was really doing that and i was trying to think of what's the best way i can get other people in this to to turn that switch on maybe i did the right thing maybe i didn't but i think it ended up working for me it was about like keeping and i learned this at a much deeper level at the end of the race and we can talk about that later but to me the the main thing that was I was concerned about and a little bit aggravated about in the middle of that is people were turning the switch on and off. Like when Chad left, they would go to cutting up and talking about other things. And that's, I mean, we're there for a long time, right? You got to enjoy it. But at that point, you know, I I heard what you said. You hadn't said that the whole race. So I knew, all right, it's time to figure it out. And that was what was concerning to me is after you left, people weren't and it's hard it gets to be hard to stay locked in right we always tell people stay locked in this thing ain't over and and that that was the part concerning to me is that people weren't staying locked in right after he left um but well well, to be honest with you i had started feeling that a little bit before you even came in and said that and and i was and i kind of just said a few things like kind of putting it out there you know and but it wasn't enough to, I guess, get people to understand. And then you came in and said that, and I was like, doggone it. It's gotten to the point where he's, you know, I was pissed <laughs> that you even had to say something. So things needed to change, I felt. And Julie's very attentive to the other. Uh, he's able to tell what, well, we already know he's the director of prophecy. He just won't yeah. tell anybody what's coming. He keeps it to himself. But he, he knew what was coming before. A lot of things even happen. Isn't that interesting? It is. Yeah. I've got a good video of him talking on there. Um, maybe I'll put it up on YouTube. <laughs> well, what did y'all, when, when I told y'all to get everything wired tight, what did y'all, what did that mean to y'all? What did y'all do? Did you have, and did you have any idea that we were going to be there as long as we were actually there? When you at said, that point. when you said that, I just thought, I thought that you had really started seeing some things breaking down and and you knew that we were going to be there for a while, but that, um, like, basically, you're starting to see some things breaking down. I know we're going to be here for a while and that we're going to win it, but in order to do that, we need to get some, we need to change some things here in the tent. And whenever you said that, up to that point, really, I mean, people were helping, but and it's my fault, but I was doing most of the stuff myself. Like if I needed something, I would just say, Hey, do this. But when you said that, I thought, all right, well, we got five people in there. I have many. It was, I'm just going to break out these tasks and just basically step back. All I'm going to do is put the food out. Everything else just needs to happen. Um, did you assign those? Like, did y'all come together and have a little talk? Uh, yeah, I just, I just, Told said Tim, watch the clock. Give us a thirty second and fifteen second heads up. Jeff, you grab the poles when he comes in, hand them when he goes out. Mom, you do the towel, and my job was to get the uh, all the food set out, mm-hmm. and then make sure when you left that what you needed for the next round was already prepared. And then if something big needed to be done, it needed to be done two two laps in advance. If we needed to cut some more fruit, or you know, we would always make toast or something like that. As soon as you left, if you wanted it, the next lap. But if something big needed to be done, I wanted to be two laps ahead of it. And then we went ahead and got it done if you told us you wanted something for the next one. But, yeah, I mean, at that point, I just kind of told everybody. And it took a minute 
for uh, for things to kind of fall in and all of us to work together. But listen, let me let me explain something to y'all. We we were there for Chad. We were all there for him. He was racing. The day was, I mean, about him and his race. He was executing lit- flawlessly. Yep. Every footstep was perfectly placed. <laughs> I mean, everything was well thought out. He was executing. It, it was something else to watch. The least we could do as the people that he entrusted to crew him is work as efficiently as possible. Yep. That's the least we could do for him. And anytime you're crewing somebody, same thing. So, yeah, it started to irritate me when I didn't feel like we were we were doing what we needed to do for you. We weren't we weren't um, operating nearly as efficiently as you were. Yep, that can't happen. Yeah, and my main concern, and really what prompted me to to hit you guys with that, two things. One, I knew that. Shortly, I was going to have to start leaning upon y'all a little more heavily, um, and potentially anyways. And then two, I wanted to make sure that you guys realized how long we were going to be there. Yeah. Because I wasn't sure, you know, the people, the people in, in crew camp there, they're thinking, man, we're coming up on 24 hours. This only went 30 hours last year. You know, surely we're getting close to the end of this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then you get lulled into this false sense of, ah, oh, well, we've got enough to make it. You know, another few hours. Surely that's as long as this is going to go. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I I thought it would go forty eight hours, um, but it didn't end. Up, unfortunately, it didn't end up going that long, but uh. That's the main thing that prompted me to say that was because I just wanted you guys to come to that realization that this thing is nowhere even close to being done. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to make sure we had enough to get us through. And you guys responded. Um, I remember through that night, if I did it one time, I bet I did it the whole night, I would get all of Chad's stuff out, put it on top of the cooler, and Every time he'd come in, we'd put this cold rag on his head, cool him back down. And I would forget that daggone rag in the bottom of the cooler every single time. And I'd have to take everything back off the top of the cooler. But, you know, that that goes back. I mean, I was tired and wore out at night. And so that's why I started just getting some sleep because I thought, man, well, yeah, I could, I could just stay up and sit here. But I'm already missing little details like this towel. So I better get the rest where I can. And and, and I did want to go take, like, plenty of people offered, hey, just let me fill in for you <laughs> and, and go get some rest. And if you didn't think I considered, like, oh, man, that would be nice to go get some rest. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to, but it's like, man, what we're doing is working. And if I let someone else do it, not that they wouldn't do a good job, but they will do a different job or a different right. way than I want. And if even that hinders even if it takes five more seconds each time for Chad to adjust to where they're putting something or or what they're getting out, then that compounds over five hours. If I had gone and got even four hours of rest, I mean, that's, what, 12 laps, and then 
you do that five seconds. I mean, that adds up to minutes of time that you could have been resting. And so, I don't know. I, I mean, really, it was just funny. I kept forgetting the rag. Eventually, that was Jeff's assigned task, to remind me to get the rag. <laughs> <laughs> Probably before you told us to start operating efficiently, I said, Jeff, remind me to get this dang rag every time I open this cooler. <laughs> no, I'm, yeah, I'm glad you didn't go sleep, though. I knew people were needing it, but I was like, Blake, yeah, I wasn't hang in there, sleep. brother. <laughs> no, they, they was, you know, we talked on the way home about so much goes into this, like all the time spent to get up to this race and it's and and you just got to remind yourself dude we're here for only this amount of time yeah. just just stay locked on like yep. we talked about earlier so i use that same thing man I, i'm thinking we we've worked for three four five months for this day yeah you get you get this one shot don't leave nothing out there yeah and there could have been even down to like, if we had ran out of bananas. I mean, we had plenty of other food, but that's what you liked, and that's worked. If we ran out of bananas and you had to start eating a apple or some other fruit, I mean, that could have just totally bombed your stomach. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, that one little detail could have just spoiled the whole race. Cantaloupe to watermelon could be detrimental. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he was eating both of those. I remember I put some pears and apples out. I said, hey, I got some cold pears and apples here, and he said... I ain't eat them all race, and I ain't about to start. And I said, well, good idea. I'll put them back in the cooler. <laughs> Again, if it's working, don't deviate. Yep, that's right. All right, let's take a little break. We're going to try to get John Cox on the podcast here and uh, coming up after the break, see what he has to say. John's the race director and timekeeper of the Mid-State Mile. So we'll be back with you in here in just a second. All right, guys, we're back. We're uh, see if we can get this thing to work right here see if we can patch old john cox in good morning mr Wright. what do you say there big john you're live on the three of seven podcast can you hear me oh i can hear you just fine say hello to miss little becky b oh you got oh man you what what's up guys hey well we're uh just trying to unpack and drink some coffee and respond to everybody this morning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh, a lot, a lot has happened in the last few days and we're just sitting here, uh, talking through the race, man, uh, on the podcast. We, we've kind of up to the point of, uh, we, we've kind of come up to basically the second intermission, <clears throat> the 24 hour mark. And I just thought it would be remiss if we didn't try to get you guys on and uh, just hear your perspective on the race. Uh, John, I know there, there, there had, I, I, I've heard through the grapevine that there was a moment when you thought that Luke may have actually had a chance to beat me, man. And um, I, I just got to ask you about that, brother. I mean, it's a race. Everybody's got a chance, Mr. Wright. Um, I don't recall. I don't recall anything specific in that moment. I think my thoughts at the 24-hour mark in that intermission in particular was it would be interesting on how Luke came through that, that intermission, uh, that downtime that he is probably not used to having and making that adjustment seeing if uh, cramps would catch him in that time period. I think were my direct thoughts 
on the 24-hour intermission. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I mean, I, I want I want to give you guys too the opportunity to kind of speak freely about about the race and uh, and, and some 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 parts of it that were um, impactful to you. Some some things that. Uh, may may you want to share or may may have worked out differently than than you thought they they were or, or uh, what you expected I mean I want to hear what's going through you guys head um, now that now that it's all over go ahead it, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing that is rare I think in society these days to genuinely want the best out of out of people to push through darkness uh pain to let all that go to just keep going in life um it's hard for people to do it's hard for to do in a race you know you're tired you're hurting it's painful there's no real reason to keep going other than to see how far you can keep going and to push another man, another competitor, another individual to keep going as well, to draw the best out of them. Uh, I think that's, what's really great about the race is you get to see that up, up close and personal. And there was a lull there in the afternoon where things were waning and, you know, not everybody was really wanting to push through the darkness, to push through the pain, to find them best self. And I think once we got through that, um, and, and really got got the push. That's when things, the magic really started to happen after dark. I mean, I think for me, you know, my favorite part of this weekend was watching just the human spirit out there and that grit and determination and watching people persevere and fight not only what is one difficult course, but, you know, the biggest thing I think that you can come up against is your mind, you know, and it's, watching people battle back against everything hurting and seeing the want to quit in people's eyes, but they, you know, just kept grinding. I always enjoy helping people tap back into that, that will to keep going. That That's my favorite part of the weekend is encouraging and, and helping. And, uh, even if it irritates Chad. Yeah. Even if it irritates Chad. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I had a goal to make <laughs> Make sure you had a PR this weekend. So, and that's that's always one of my favorite things is that course. So many people run their first ultra or get their PR distance or time on feet out there, and that's just there are no words for what a testament that is to the human spirit. I think. I know there was a yeah, couple definitely. times John was uh was I think he was a little concerned that you were unleashed and unmuzzled. He kept he kept coming to get with your handler saying. That. <laughs> Now, uh, you know, this, I, we had to do this stuff, man. Uh, Chad might get a little mad at it. It's like, you know, when you got old pit bull and, and his handler has unleashed him, you, sometimes you got to let him know, don't let him bite me now, but he can, he can bark, but don't let him bite me. <laughs> well, there's, there's a couple times of stuff going on that, you know, that may have been bothersome to Chad while it was going, but they quite. Quite frankly, I found funny. <laughs> there was at one point, uh, you know, 
for uh, film purposes, we they rolled out a fog machine, and you know, Chad might not be real happy about this fog machine. <laughs> but what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> Maybe he should have thought about that. By the way. That was not me, John. The other runners were complaining about the fog machine, and I told Chili, uh-huh. I said, Chili, these guys are, are – because I understood, obviously, the film crew was with me, and so what the things that the film crew did reflected upon me. And I, we ran by, and, and, and Dwayne's son was spraying this fog machine, and one of the other runners said, you can take that fog machine and F and throw it in the trash. And I thought, oh, man, this is getting really bad. This is a kid right here. And, and I was like, that's when I told Chili, I was like, you got to go down there and let those guys know that. Uh, these they're they're a little upset about this fog machine. We got to shut this mess down, son. Yeah, I, I just I I uh when I came back in, I said I'm gonna tell three people about that fog machine, and I went to Ed, and I said, Hey man, I, I said, Look, you can keep doing that all you want, but eventually it's gonna get to be a problem if you keep doing it. And he said, Okay. Then I went to Dwayne, and I said. Listen, I know you're just trying to get some cool shots, but the fog machine ain't working out. And then I went to John and I said, listen, the fog machine, this is their property, right? It's Dwayne and Ed's, but you're the race director. And out of respect for the other runners, you know, I think there some people are getting irritated. Chad just told me to let you know, may not want to keep doing it. And... All I, all I can say is after I said that, there was no more fog. <laughs> so, and go, and then going back to Becca, it, it's it's always um, a wonderful thing after the event is over to reflect back upon how invested Becca is into getting every single individual out there to literally reach their maximum potential. Yeah. But during the event, in the heat of battle, when, when, when I have spent 35 hours running this dude into the ground, all right, and, and I see him faltering, and, and I smell blood in the water, and I'm coming down, and then Becca passes me, and I know she's going up there to fire this dude back up, I'm like... Gosh dang it, Becca. We've done this long enough. Just just follow me into the corral. Like Can't do it. Can't do it. Holding over. I know it's not in my my DNA. I can't. I, can't. I, I was laughing. Though. I was like, I know Chad is so tired. Let me go back there and talk to Luke. And there were a couple of times, like, you know, Luke was like, you know, I think I'm just going to concede and, you know, Get his chat. I was like, oh no, uh uh-uh. uh. I said, you make him work for it. And when you want to quit, give one more and make him have to run one more. And I know how much you can't stand a break. And I was like, you make him go back out there after the break. And even if you time out, you get another loop and make him have to run one more. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's so awesome that you do that. Uh, you know, again after after the race is over and, and speaking of did you guys 
What were your expectations for the race? Did you think that it would go as far as it went, or did you think it would go further? Um, initially, I think I had said on like even Instagram, they're like, how far do you think it'll go? And I said, it'll go at least 115. You know, we were thinking and hoping for 40 hours yeah, this year. I think so. 36, 40 hours was kind of the time, time goal. We were, you know, right in the sweet spot 38. So I was always curious as to what the heat would do to the field on Sunday. Last year, we got overcast and it was cooler with some rain on Sunday. This year with the heat. Um, in the sunshine, I was curious as to what that would do. But if we can get a few guys to make it to dark, make it to that intermission, um, you know, it had the potential to go much longer. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's crazy how you guys predicted that so accurately. And as it was unfolding, was there ever a time that you thought, oh, my gosh, this is going to way exceed what we were expecting? I think where I was at on Sunday afternoon was, was it was going to end up a little bit short just because of the heat. Uh, mm-hmm. We had some guys that were working on cooling down and getting some electrolytes in. And from what I saw, you know, the, the two other runners at that point were behind the curve on trying to keep cool and fight that heat exhaustion, that heat stress. And you can't really recover from that. It's, it's going to do its damage and you can, put it off but you're not going to be able to cool down and recover from it and, and be able to keep going so that's kind of what i was witnessing is these guys are are not long for this race at this point what they're doing is going to extend them but it's not going to save them mm. i was thinking you know if you guys made it to midnight you would go to just just before sunrise is what i was thinking okay so I was like, if they can get past midnight, it'll be around sunrise before the sucker ends. Yep. yep. <laughs> I got a question. When did uh, when did y'all find out that Greg was coming? It's a good question. He he texted us on on Friday night. He said, "I'm going to be there early." We knew he, he was in town. Um, he, he had a break from his travel and, and building wells for run for water. We knew he was going to be in town asked if he wanted to come out or he, he said he wanted to come out and just, um, hang out, watch, hang out, be at the race, you know, run for water. You know, we're proud to be sponsored by that. We always like to give him a chance to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So he was going to come out and and talk about it before the race, asked if we need anything Friday night, said no. Um, and then Saturday morning we got there, he, he walked up, said he felt a little spry, asked if he could run. Yeah, I think we asked if he wanted to run. Yeah, I asked him if he wanted to run. He was actually in the car behind us as we were driving up to the race. And we're like, man, it'd be so great if like Greg wanted to run. <laughs> I hope he wants to run. We're going to have to ask him if he wants to. And uh, the look in his eyes, he's like, really? Yeah, we got a wristband. You, you want it, you can have it. You always have a place. So. We, we had to find him a water bottle. He asked if anybody had a water bottle. <laughs> and uh, I started thinking about, you know, legitimate water bottles people use to do running. <laughs> And he's like, no, no, no. I said, oh, that's right. I think I've got a used one. I drank a bottle of water yesterday. You want that? And he said, that'd be perfect. So, I, you know, he didn't bring a water bottle. He didn't bring any food. I, we found out that morning. <laughs> yeah. 30 minutes before you did. That's Greg's style all the way, man. Mm-hmm. Through and through. 100%. Yeah. How did you feel when you found out he was running? Yeah, I heard that the... Uh, Y'all thought it was just planned <laughs> that we were trying to slow roll you. 
Well, you know, it it uh, it really added to the story, um, <laughs> without a doubt. Uh, and, and how did I feel? I mean, I would I I would be lying to you if I didn't initially say, "Oh crap!" <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh man, because uh, because. I, I, I know what the man's capable of, and I know for a fact he's going to give it his all. Um, mm-hmm. Which, again, after everything's over, you appreciate that. But when you're about to go into it, and uh, <laughs> and, and you know, you, like we talked about earlier, I, I, I had made up my mind. I had, I had to win this race. I had no yeah. choice but to win. So I knew... It was it was likely going to prolong my suffering. Um, mm-hmm. It didn't work out that way, but I I, I was I, I you know that that was the most likely thing to happen. Um, but then I got to thinking, and I thought, you know, if there's anybody I would want to run against down just just in in the the final laps where it's just me and one other person, it's Greg Armstrong, and. Yeah. Uh, you know, once I once I settled on that thought, I was cool with it, and uh, I didn't get to spend much time with Greg at all. I I thought that I was going to get to spend some time with him there at the end, um, which I would have greatly appreciated and enjoyed because he's always a wonderful person to hang out with. But um, you know, that's kind of where my head was at uh, initially, kind of shocked, but then settled in on the thought of, well, this is great. Um, and, and, and on that, you know, last year, I would say for most people, the, the most defining or impactful part of the race last year was seeing Greg, you know, giving everything he had to the point of collapsing across the finish line on his, um, final lap, you know, and it was very well defined and captured and, and this and that, I think this year, that that moment, that defining moment, hasn't really been articulated yet. And you know, I, I just wanted to ask you guys, what was the the defining moment of the race for you guys? Whether it was somebody that went out early on, or, or later on, or, or whatever, is there something that really sticks out for you as the defining moment of this year's race? Uh, I'll say for me, that Danny kid. Yeah. Man, Danny, uh, he battled for hours, it seemed like. And when he would come through, you know, off that first downhill, it was almost like a drunk walk is what it looked like. (laughs) And the thing that I loved about him, like you could tell how much pain he was in and how much suffering, but he never gave you that feeling of, oh man, this poor guy, someone shoot him and put him out of his misery. (laughs) There was no desperation. It was you could feel his grit and determination in his energy just radiating. It was standing at those crossroads in that darkness and watching that boy and what his legs were trying to do. <laughs> that was incredible. Yeah, I think from a from a racer or entrant perspective, you know, my, my immediate thoughts went to Danny and his continued push through the night. Um up against it you know his eyes were glassy you know he was kind of out of it his crew would would give him some water give him some food and just kind of push him back out and he just kept doing that um 
I'm sure at that point, I don't know how cognizant he was of his ability to not win that race. Um, Cause there was no hope for him winning, winning that race, but to continue to push to his absolute loot limit, um, you know, it prompted, prompted Becky and I to come up with a, a Forrest Sanders spirit of the race award um, for that kind of individual, that kind of performance really, that's what it's all about um, for us. But uh, as far as defining moments go, it's the stories, hearing the crews talk and meet each other and come back and watch and the community around the event, the people that are there, the love that it inspires, the community that it builds. You know, it's, it's not just a race. It's not just about who can run the farthest it's about who they are in the process of, of trying to figure out what that is that defines it for me so seeing that unfold seeing the field uh filled with with campers the night before oh um, Matt, that was the best to know that it's it's an event that's bigger than a race and it's much bigger than just becca and i is i mean how the whole weekend started yeah. that's incredible <laughs> yeah you just you can't yeah Oh, yeah, with Jason, that was. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, if there's a, a defining moment of the race itself, it's it's baptizing uh, Jason into the, the Brotherhood of Christ the night before the race. Um, yeah. That's what it's all about. Yep. Yeah, and what's, uh, you know, and on that note, there were a couple people that came up to us this weekend that, you know, they didn't run last year, but they followed along and they watched the moments with Greg and that defining moment. And they shared with us that last year things were really rough for them and they were thinking about taking their life and that that race and watching that inspired one of them to just take up running. And that has literally saved their life. So for two people that, you know, we don't know to have just, you know, seen that video and for it to have had that reach and impact to keep two souls here on this planet, like that's, I mean, and those are just the stories that we know. Those are just the people that came out this year and wanted to share that. And mm-hmm. one of those people actually ran the race. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. That, that, I, I agree a hundred percent. And, um, I love the, the idea of, of the, the, the new idea of the award that you're going to come out with for next year's race. That's a, that's really <laughs> awesome. Um, and you know, let's see. I had a conversation with you guys at the at the beginning, uh, well Friday evening, and just mm-hmm. asking what is what's your predictions for the race. Your answer was a lot of hurt feelings. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys see some feelings get hurt out there? Oh, oh yeah, we oh, did. There was some people that need to apply faulty britches after the race to see <laughs> their hurt feelings. Oh yeah. And, you know, and especially like three of those guys, you know, we love so much. Oh, and so it, much. it was hard to see that. It, it was hard to see your friends hurting and know yep. that there's there's nothing you can do to make it better. They know it's on them. They know they did it. And, you know, and it's just crazy. Like another moment, like Tim Forbes being out. Like no one saw that coming. Yep. No one saw that at all. We just looked up and we're like, where's Forbes? He was no longer in this thing. No. That's the... Uh, you know, and I got some hurt feelings uh, the whole deal. The hardest part of my day is ending somebody's race that can 
physically keep going. They just can't do it in that 20-minute time limit or won't do it in the 20-minute time limit limit anymore. They're physically capable. They have so much more to give. To end their day is not enjoyable for me at all. Yeah. But it's necessary for the process. Now, now going deeper than than your predictions, as uh, as you said, a lot of feelings getting hurt. You guys pay a lot of attention to who is coming out here to run. You guys analyze each runner. Um, actually, when you sign up for the Mid State Mile, you go on a wait list and you get hand selected by John and Becca to come out here and compete. They want the best and. Um, so going beyond that prediction of feelings getting hurt, what what were your actual predictions on who was going to actually win the race? Well, I think we we assumed it would come down to you and Luke. Luke was really showing him, and I am curious to know what you thought about him and his ability in that. If you were surprised or thing like that, but uh, we expected Aaron Dana or at least I did, I know, to be in, like, the top five. Just looking at his training and his his mentality behind it, there were a couple times following him on social media and seeing, like, what his coach was having to do. I was like, ooh, I don't, um, all right, seems to be working just the way his mind takes in all that. I knew that would be good. Uh, as far as females go, I knew it would be Aaliyah. We told Aaliyah on Tuesday because, you know, she's local and she's one of our friends. It, it was a beautiful thing. We told her, Listen, Aaliyah, you'll be in this until you make your mind up that you don't want to be anymore. I said, you'll see that sunrise if you want to see the sunrise. And the look in her eyes to see how much we believed in her. And it was like, it was like a a switch. And, you know, she was out there and she was really, physically, she was fine. She was just mentally tired, didn't want to, you know, do it anymore. And she was getting so mad at me for (laughs) not not letting her quit. And I said, you know, it's a scary thing to realize how strong you are. It's, It's scary to have to at your potential oh, and yeah. see how tough your body is and that it's willing and that it's your mind that's giving out. Yeah, shit. Uh, Leah was getting the full benefit of uh, Becca B right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, know, and if I, I, I think what I, you know, Becca tries to figure out who's going to win more. I think when I look out, I look at the individual and try to figure out how they're going to win, what they're capable of. I, I genuinely believe that that most everyone can win this race. I try to look at who's coming and believe that they can win. No one saw Mark Holcomb coming. Yeah, Mark Holcomb. Well, I don't think anybody saw Mark Holcomb coming at all. Um, no, I didn't. He was the sleeper, man. He was the oh, I, I told you there was going to be one. Yeah. <laughs> it was him. But, you know, I, I try to believe that everyone that enters can win. And then there's certain people that I advise not to bet against. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would not. I would not bet against Chad Wright. No. Do you think anyone can beat the pale horse on that course? Do you think anyone on earth can beat the pale horse on that cur- on that course? Oh, man, um, it seems impossible. It, it really does because it's such the mentality it takes to be successful on that course and the ability to have to hide your weaknesses and not show that you're hurting. I mean, it's such a mind game out there and you are clearly quite good at playing mind games. It was fun to watch that the entire time. <laughs> yeah. It does seem kind of a, an event that is tailored to your skill set. Um, 
I would have to say I haven't seen anybody beat you yet. Yeah. So it'd be an interesting, interesting challenge uh, for somebody to show up with the I am going to beat Chad Wright, the pale horse mindset, and also have the capability to do that. And the patience. Um, well, John, you're you're the handler for quite the racehorse yourself. What would you bet? Uh, on, yeah. What would you bet on your racehorse? I would never, I would never bet against Little Becky B. <laughs> um, <laughs> she made me, she made me breakfast this morning. What are you trying to do? <laughs> you know, it'd be interesting to see what Becky did in that in that race, um, in that format. Um, you know, she is certainly a capable woman <laughs> and all often has uh, a, a giant bucket of strength to, to dip into. So yeah. it's, it's not another event. It's not another race. It's not another last man standing. There's so many different yeah. things that go on to make it different. That's it's right. a, it's a unique challenge. It's one that obviously uh, suits you very well. Say, I don't want to see it happen, but I think it'd be interesting to watch. I think it would. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. I had to ask that question. Um, I don't to apologize. You, you know, because it's like, I mean, is there no one? Is is there is there no one else? I mean, how long do I have to keep doing this? Well, until, until we find somebody that can genuinely. Did you feel challenged? Um. This year, did you feel pushed? How was the, the level of suffering? Did you get to a, a place of suffering where you felt like you'd earned it? No, not at all. Well, then you're going to have to keep coming back. We're going to have to keep finding more people. Hey, do y'all need to hire some recruiters or something? <laughs> <laughs> you know, somebody, asked me, somebody asked me on the live last night, how much further did Luke take you this year than Greg took you last year? And the answer is not a step. He didn't take yeah. me a step further. Um, I, I never felt challenged. I never that I had didn't have a single bad lap. I didn't have to fight through anything. No, uh, you didn't. It was just like it was going through the motions till till to the very last lap, and it was simply the implementation of patience, presence, deliberate function check, and that was it. And I, I'm genuinely hungry for somebody to take me to that bad lap. I well, mean, who, do you have anyone you think that uh, we could try and get out there that might be able to do it? I don't think anyone can do it. I, I oh. think I think they're going to have to wait until I get old and decrepit. <laughs> <laughs> well, i got to be honest. I don't know if you, you start to build that old man muscle that's turning into sinew. <laughs> <laughs> just might make you stronger do, do you guys um, got any questions for john and becca before we no y'all hit y'all hit so much good stuff i mean i'm uh i just want to thank them again for doing what they do yep i'm good yeah yeah for sure um obviously we've we've said it before but it, we never get tired of saying it uh, none of this could happen without you guys and it's it's a huge investment for you guys to make in time and money and effort um and you guys providing this arena for us to strive against one another 
it is literally priceless. You cannot put a you you cannot put a value on it because it is priceless. And uh, there's no way that we could ever repay you or thank you enough. Um, all I know is to just let it be because uh, I can never pay you back for what you've done for me personally, uh, for 307 Project, and for, you know, everybody else out there that has had their own experience. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it is making and will continue to make an eternal positive impact on the world, um, generational impact on the world. And uh, it's just so important. And, uh, yeah, we love you guys so much. And if there's anything else you guys want to share or, or say or, or uh, uh, anything else about your experience or whatever, uh, the floor is yours. Well, thank you. Thank you for all the, the kindness and love and support and everything you just said. I mean, that's, we appreciate it. And people kept coming up to us after the race and saying, thank you. You created something special. And it's, it's you guys. It's you guys that show up and share and run and suffer and endure. It's, we built an arena and you guys mm-hmm. are what make it what it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's y'all make the magic happen, and it is such a fulfilling heart, soul, everything. It's it's been life changing. It truly has, and I wish I had the words to properly articulate what a magical journey it's been. And it's, I mean, seriously, y'all done wavering love and support. It's just it has literally changed our lives and changed us for the better, who we are as people, and that race. I, it's not even the race. That family, that mid-state family is, there's nothing else like it. And I, I love, I cannot wait to see the full ripple effect, you know, what it does and how it impacts the world. We got that. Yeah, I mean, uh, thank you. Um, thank you so much and you're welcome. The, 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 <laughs> we, we put the arena out there. That's all we can really do at the end of the day is, is give people the opportunity. Um, to give their best and their best is all we need in return. Um, it's, it's not for anything other than that. So it's an honor to be there. It's, it's forced Becca and I to grow. Um, it brings the best out of us. It brings the best out of us as individuals and together as a couple, as race directors, uh, we're continually inspired by the people we see. Um, we want to be better for y'all and we're so grateful, you know, for the three to seven project and impacting our lives and that you're willing to see what we're doing, embrace what we're doing and share that message. Um, you know, it's, it's just the arena. It's your race. It's everybody's race. You're the ones that make it what it is. Mm-hmm. We can't decide who's running. We can't decide who's going to sign up or not sign up. We can't decide you know, how long it's going to go or or how much hurt someone's willing to go through, how much suffering that they're capable of enduring. You know, we can't decide any of those things. We can't control the weather. All we can, all we can do is say that, you know, Father's Day weekend (laughs) at 8 a.m. on Saturday, everyone is going to have an opportunity to see exactly what they're made of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I know that's what you guys want to see. And, you know, that's a, goes back to a a private conversation John and I had on Instagram, 
prior to the race, and uh, there were some people. Uh, there were some people making some mighty, uh, 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 mighty strong claims about what they were going to do out there on the race course, and uh, I said, uh, John. I will run as far as I can run. Mm -hmm. And uh, John said, I know you will, brother. And that's all he expected out of me. And uh, I told that's you it. I told you guys that the, the main thing that got me through uh, is the part of the creed that says, my team expects me to be physically harder and mentally stronger than our opponents. And uh, John, mm -hmm. you're part of your – and Becca too um, – you're part of my team. So yeah. I, I'll, I'll continue to give that to you guys uh, because I owe it to you. So love it, guys. Uh, yeah, we got – when is Tennessee Mile? Uh, the first week in December. It'll be December 4th, and registration will open up July 1st. And with that one, everyone will also go to a wait list, and we select the people who have ran mid-state first and the people who have ran Tennessee Mile. Anyone who supports us, we want to show them yeah. the love and opportunity to be the first ones on the list. Yeah, this is a family, and 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 we're uh, we're loyal to our family. If you want to get into mid state and you're worried about it, um, start signing up. So, <laughs> the, one of the easiest ways to get in is to run Tennessee Mile yeah. or run mid state before. It's a little late to run mid state this year, but <laughs> a bit. we're going to have a race in December. Um, it's a race for everybody. There's a lot more people that we have room for in that event, so. Yeah, that one we can really open up. And this year we're going to open up a 40-hour in that one to give people the opportunity to hit 100. Wow. Suffer longer. <laughs> wow. So what are the times for the Tennessee Mile is a timed event. Yeah. See how many laps you can get in a specific amount of time. So what are, what are people's options there? Uh, we'll have the 40-hour. We have a 24-hour, a 12-hour, a 6-hour. And we're going to do an 8-hour night starting at midnight. Okay. All right. So a ton of options there for you guys that want to go out and experience what this course is all about. And John and Becca, like they said, their predictions were a lot of hard feelings. And I've seen some, I mean, a lot of hurt feelings. And I've seen some comments say, not all miles are created equally. So you cannot have, you cannot have appreciation for the conversation that we're having without going out and doing your loops on that course. You just can't appreciate this conversation. So go sign up, uh, join this community, um, support Becca and John uh, however you can. They're doing great things. They're going to continue to do great things. Uh, we'll attach their, their Instagram handles in the show notes of this episode. Um, so we just can't thank you guys enough for taking the time out of your day to come on here and share at least a, a small portion of your perspective on the Mid-State Mile 2021 race. Uh, we love you guys so much. We'll be talking soon, I'm sure. And uh, if you want to hear more about my perspective on Luke, because I know, Becca, you asked that question earlier, you'll just have mm -hmm. to listen to the rest of this podcast when it comes out because we're going to continue this conversation after we log off with you guys. So we'll talk okay. plenty. We'll talk plenty about old, old Luke here in just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> gonna be a long one yeah, well, we right. love y'all <laughs> y'all too we yeah. love you guys love too. you guys we'll, we'll, we'll talk guys. to y'all soon all right thank you see you brother
All right, guys, so that was John and Becca, the race directors for Mid-State Mile. We're going to take a little break, and then we'll come back, and we'll talk about the third 12-hour block that would lead us through the day on Sunday um, up to the third intermission at the 36-hour mark. We'll talk through that and uh, continue on breaking this journey down.